At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Welcome to Healthcare Americana, coming to you from the Freedom Doc Studios. I am your host, Christopher Habig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. This is a podcast for the 99% of people who get care in America. We talk to innovative clinicians, policymakers, patients, caregivers, executives, and advocates who are fed up with the status quo and have a desire to change it. We take you behind the scenes with people across America that are putting patients first and restoring trust in American health care. These days in healthcare, so many people are empowered to take their healthcare decisions or even decisions on how to become healthier into their own hands. There's a ton of information out there, obviously, with the internet, with Heck, you can ask questions to search engines, AI, anything in between there. And so a lot of people are wondering what they can do to become healthier. Is it diet? Is it nutrition? Are there other ways to do it, such as supplements and what we call clinical nutrition? Joining us today is Isaiah Syed, the CEO of MEND. Isaiah, welcome to Healthcare Americana to help us through this topic. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about the discussion. So supplements are something that, I mean, there's just a lot of different opinions on this one. Some people are like, well, if you take a multivitamin, that's great. But if you take this other stuff like a fish oil, some people think it's smoke and mirrors, this kind of stuff. But you guys have taken this and saying, no, 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 there's real science behind this. Give us a little story into your views on supplements, what you call clinical nutrition, your digital wealth platforms, and even a behavioral support model that really teaches people how to eat right, how to train their bodies, how to take care of themselves and help fill in those gaps nutritionally. Yeah, um, you know, big topic, obviously. Uh, you know, 80% of the U.S. population is using some form of a dietary supplement. And it's, a, it's a massive space. And the thing that I'd say is, you know, not all supplements are, are the same. Uh, we are, as a company, focused on, I'll go a little bit into kind of the genesis of sort of the why and how we started on developing a portfolio of what we call Nutra Pharma. And this is this kind of space a new space that lives in between the pharmaceutical industry and the traditional supplements industry where we're designing products that are specifically targeted to specific endpoints that uh, we're proving out through science can actually influence and affect those endpoints. So I'll, I'll take you through, you know, a couple of examples. Uh, in terms of the why and where I started, you know, my, my mom, unfortunately, was just diagnosed with cancer uh, just two weeks ago for a second time. She's got you know, breast cancer, and we'll have to go through a, a surgery on, on June 6th. But she got it previously, roughly two decades ago. And I saw kind of the recovery process that she went through. Nutritionally, she was very depleted and beat up by the whole process. My brother, who's a, who's a physical therapist, had a very nasty fall from a, a waterfall and had eight surgeries and was kind of nutritionally very depleted. And I had an injury that was very slow to heal. Um, I started to think about, geez, am I nutritionally compromised? Is that slowing down healing? And we started to look at kind of healing pathways. Uh, and lo and behold, when the body's been through any type of trauma, you know, it won't come as a huge surprise that it's working harder. 
it's allocating resources to help heal the tissue that's that's damaged. And it needs to get those resources from somewhere. Either we're going to ingest it or it's going to borrow it from, from, from somewhere else. And so we really looked at kind of healing pathways and what we could develop that is evidence-based that could support those. So we've got a portfolio of orthopedic products that have been studied through randomized placebo-controlled trials, just like one would in the pharma world, where we've looked at the actual endpoints through biopsies, MRIs, functional scores, et cetera, to show that we're actually influencing healing pathways. So that's kind of how we think about nutrition uh, or Nutrapharma or clinical nutrition is this space in between pharma and the dietary supplement world. And how do we develop something that the medical community can rely on, that they know that it's been published in peer-reviewed journals by the leading and most recognized journals. And it's something that they can bring into patient care to help influence some of the things that we know are, are most important. Uh, we don't think this story ends there because you know, so much of human health is about creating lasting behaviors and behavior change. And that's why I think there is enormous opportunity to support people uh, on their journey to becoming healthier. Really a lot of personal stories that led you into this. And I appreciate you sharing that. I, I want to break down just some of the comments you made and, and, and really what you do as a company. And, you know, like you said, you're why this is why I'm in this, right? Cause I've had loved ones be affected and you have a personal story and so much powerful change comes out of that type of motivation. Going back to, I'm not, I want to focus just on the nutrition standpoint. You talked about injury. You talked about the ability for the body to heal and it's working harder. What are your thoughts on nutrition in hospitals? Because this is something that, that pops up all the time. And you're just like, wow, the, the food that they serve in hospitals is, in my opinion, relatively low grade. Is that affecting patient care from what you've seen from your studies? There's, there's no question it is. I mean, the reality is, and there have been very large hospital studies that have been done on this and, uh, and population health studies that informs that we don't have a good nutrition strategy in place in, in most hospitals. So very large study by the Journal of Nutrition looked at 16,000 people and looked at their level of nutritional status as it relates to key nutrients. And across the board, if you look at micronutrients, we're deficient. Your vitamin D was at like 93, 94% of the population is deficient. Vitamin E is something like you know, 64%. Hospital studies have shown that 60%, upwards of 60%, you know, more sometimes, less sometimes, uh, patients are going in undernourished as it relates to the demands of the acute care environment and what their body is about to go through. So you might get, you know, some food from the cafeteria, you might get a shake, but nothing that has gone down to the level of kind of rigor and focus on, you know, what can we do for you from a nutritional status standpoint? That will really help support healing and recovery. This is not a new domain. I mean, hospitals know this. There have been lots of papers published on it. There's new papers I'm privy to that are coming out that are really underscoring and emphasizing the nutritional status of a patient when they're in acute care. And this is not just a hospital environment. I think, you know, more and more our physicians and doctors need to be paying attention to this because chronic conditions, malnutrition, undernourishment is pervasive in society. And unless we get the nutrition right, you know, no matter what mentality we bring to bear, we're going to have a really hard time influencing outcomes. So my next question is, you know, if there's such an issue with hospitals, who are your customers? Who's actually coming in and saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take charge. Are you talking to just consumers? Are these clinicians? Are these big systems saying we have gaps that we need to fill? We can serve 
the healthiest food in our cafeteria, but there's still gaps in nutrition profiles we need to fill. Yeah, you know, we very intentionally as a company focused on getting to doctors, physicians, health systems, because we know that if we want to influence human health, and we do, that's, you know, we, we want to play a role in societal health, that, you know, working with doctors and physicians is going to be critical. Uh, it's your doctor's advice that you're relying on and the changes that you need to make. And so unless we have the frontline folks really advocating for, for this, we're, we're, we're not going to have the impact that we want to have. So uh, I'll just give you some examples. If you go into Geisinger Health System, which you know many may not be familiar with, but it's a perennial leader in healthcare innovation and it kind of leads in value-based care and influences thinking across health systems. In fact, Kaiser Permanente just actually acquired Geisinger. Um, if you go in to have a surgery in total joint or trauma or spine, at Geisinger, they're giving you two bottles of MEND as a part of your perioperative care. It's standard of care there. They've recognized the importance of it. They're on the front. They're really they're you know, forward thinking and uh, leading the market in terms of the, the sets of things you need to do to get have good outcomes. So why are they motivated? You know, why are they paying for a patient to have MEND? Because they know it translates into good outcomes. Any patient that has uh, readmission or some sort of complication costs them a lot of money, and nutrition matters so much that they've doubled down and invested in it. So we work with physicians and doctors and you'll find men you know, deployed across the country now with physicians who are you're telling their patients to take our product. And it's not just an acute care. We've got a product that addresses blood sugar levels. So in society today, it's a forecast by the end of the year, 50, 60% of the population will be pre-diabetic or diabetic. It's just staggering to me when I think about that number. Blood sugar is a crisis, sugar is in every food we eat, it's hidden and we can't avoid it. And so our product, we just completed a randomized trial on it. It's a smaller one, but we'll build up and we'll continue to build up the evidence, but it supports the dozen or so clinical trials that came previously on the underlying compounds and shows that we can lower blood sugar levels. We can lower A1C, we can improve insulin sensitivity. So we have solutions that are not only for acute care optimization, but kind of the long-term you know, return to well-being, if you will, on the most pressing challenges that, that we're facing, inflammation and chronic inflammation, blood sugar levels, some of the markers for cardiovascular uh, illness. So we, we have solutions that are addressing each one of those. I would imagine as the conversation from a, a national health standpoint switches more to value-based care, I would imagine your phone has to be ringing off the hook when hospitals and systems cannot afford anybody to come back into the hospital from a readmittance standpoint. And they're going to say, give me something that is very easy for my patient to actually follow through on a treatment plan. Is that happening? Are you seeing a shift in the way that physicians and providers are thinking about this and incorporating your products? You know, Chris, four or four years ago when I used to go in and uh, you know, pitch to hospitals or doctors. Um, it's, we're, we've really focused on on surgery. I'd get an acknowledgement that, yeah, we, we kind of understand this. But when I go in today, they're invariably saying, we're really behind and we got to catch up. I, I can't reveal which names yet, but, you know, one of the most, actually, you know, I'll just say one of the most important hospitals in orthopedics has, has recently kind of standardized our solution. So the recognition is is there not only from administration now, but from, from the doctors that this is a really important area. Now, unfortunately, hospital systems, as you know, have been bleeding money for the last couple of years. So asking them to invest in anything, even something that you know translates into, into outcomes and the environment that we've been in is difficult. But we're coming out on the other end of that. And, and leaders like Geisinger and Kaiser that are really looking at value-based care and growing value-based care are, are going to be making these types of investments. And 
hopefully this will become a mainstay of uh, the American healthcare system. Zooming in from not just hospital systems, but we see, we talk to physicians all the time who want to do something like more integrative health, uh, more functional medicine. I think, you know, osteopathic physicians are, are growing substantially compared to allopathic physicians. What has been the response when you talk to doctors, you know, over the last five, 10 years? Have you seen a shift in their mindsets too? Yeah, there's no question. And I think part of that is the, the published evidence is starting to mature. So I talked about at the outset that, you know, not all dietary supplements are the same. There are, there are companies like MEND, and we're not the only ones certainly doing this, that have started to develop a body of clinical evidence that's been published that's hard to ignore now. You can't look at one of our, our, our products that's going to be launched in a month. It's called MEND Heart Health. It's backed by 20 published randomized trials. We show a 23% reduction in triglycerides. That's hard to ignore. For someone who's a prevention-focused mindset or really health-focused mindset, that's one of your patients that's looking for advice and counsel on these types of products. We, we really think it's incumbent on physicians to become familiar with this literature. MEND has done surveys. We surveyed 1,300 patients across various indications. 92% of the respondents said nutrition is really important to my outcomes, and I want my provider, my doctor, recommending solutions. They're, you're the medical expert. It's incumbent on you to know this stuff. So I think, I think uh, doctors are, are, you know, they're having a supposed mindset. They've been trained in, in school to look at randomized trials as kind of the gold standard. And so now that the data is available, I think they're becoming more and more comfortable with using this as a modality. Isaiah, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear a message from our sponsor, Freedom Doc. Physician burnout is a killer. It is driving our best and brightest out of medicine. The only solution to burnout is to be your own boss. The easiest way to be your own boss is to join the Freedom Doc Physician Network. Freedom Doc will fully finance your practice so that you can enjoy a healthier lifestyle, take better care of patients, and spend more time with your family. You focus on patients, Freedom Doc focuses on your business. So if you're ready to be your own boss, visit our website, freedomdoc.care, to learn more and schedule a consultation with one of our experts. Freedom Doc, accessible concierge healthcare. I am talking to the CEO of MEND, Isaiah Syed. Isaiah, we were talking about before about you know, really your business model, how we bring nutrition into, well, continue to bring it in the spotlight and get doctors on board so that they can recommend these things, heal people faster, get their bodies back to working proper nutrition, right? Like that's one of the mainstays in, of, of life, I guess I would say, just to, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't need to overcomplicate it. I'm curious, when we talk about supplements, most people think about supplements and I'm like, well, I just go to the drugstore, I go to a Target or a Walmart, I walk into the supplement aisle and there's about four different bottles of vitamin C and I just grab a multivitamin, I don't really think about it. What's your message to the typical American consumer who's that's been their only known journey. Yeah, it's complicated. There, there is no kind of easy answer to that because there, there is a, an ocean and a sea of kind of products out there and there's no real tool set available that helps people navigate, you know, what's real from what's not and what will actually help their condition. Uh, I, w- I would say that becoming a little bit more conversant in kind of the things to look for. One of the main things that I'll, I'll kind of flag for, for your listeners is yeah, you know, bioavailability as well as dosing. Many products that have claims listed on the bottle, they may not even have the appropriate level of dosing of a particular compound to actually leverage a particular claim, right? So for example, 
we know from the world of orthopedics and the literature that we have that you need at least 2.5 grams of leucine to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So if you're looking at a product that claims to stimulate muscle protein synthesis and it doesn't have that level of dosing, they shouldn't be leveraging that claim. So dosing is important, bioavailability is important. We do third-party independent verification and testing. So if you pick up a bottle and it hasn't been tested by a third-party lab, meaning there's a stamp on it that says this is independently tested. And what independent testing does is it actually looks at, you take a random sample of your product, They'll take it into a lab, they'll test it biochemically to say, is what's in this product actually reflected on the label or is there a mismatch here? And so they do that, they make sure that it's not adultered. We also do 24 seven, just like pharma would, events monitoring, adverse events monitoring. So we really are developing you know, a grade here that is, is different than what you typically find. I would just become more educated on kind of the things to look for on label. I think that'll help your, you know, your consumers make more informed decisions that they pick up these products. And I guess it's the mindset that just because you're taking nutritional supplements, it's not the one side, it's not the fix all. It's not some kind of miracle drug. There are serious behavior changes that a lot of people need to bring into daily life. Yeah. And that's why, you know, behavioral model is really critical to what we uh, wanted to introduce into the world. So we've got a portfolio of what we call kind of Nutri-Pharma and food as medicine. And that includes these evidence-based pills, powders, drinks, et cetera, that are clinically studied and, and meet a, a very high standard. But we also have medically tailored meals. So if you are someone that has hypertension, you can take advantage of a meal that's designed specifically for you to address your, your, your needs there. We have uh, nutrition counseling. So you can partner up our nutrition products and talk to one of our uh uh, registered dietitians to go down a nutrition counseling course. For physicians out there that are listening to this, we have an entire platform that can enable you to do remote patient monitoring, coaching and counseling, all guided by RNs uh, that takes patients down a care pathway, allows you to monitor some of their key bios, that also integrates our food as medicine platform into it. So imagine an extension of the care staff that you have within the walls of your practice now doing that at home, supporting the patient through their entire journey with dietitians, nurses, educational content. So we think that's that's critical because behavioral change is what's really going to drive long-term sustainable change in our system. And that's that's kind of been the missing missing gap. Oh, absolutely. And my day-to-day -day is focused on primary care, right? It's getting people access to the trusted physicians in their communities to be able to ask those questions. I feel like for so long, you know, 10 years ago, we heard this term preventive medicine, preventive medicine, and nobody really did anything about it. It was just a kind of a throwaway. And even insurance companies treated it like a throwaway. But I think we're finally starting to see that, that people understand like, wow, you know what? If I get ahead of this, I get flagged for prediabetes, I better start making changes now before I go all the way into diabetic because then there's pain and price and cost and all kinds of just quality of life just goes downhill considerably. So I, I think what you just said resonates really, really well because people can get ahead of stuff. And you know what? If I'm a little late to the game or something bad happens, I can get back up on my feet faster, keep mobility, all these things that go into it. And I truly believe that the medical profession is really starting to pay more attention to this. And and really take nutrition a lot more seriously rather than saying, I recommend diet and exercise and then all your woes will be gone. 
Yeah, you know, I think we, we need to start to think and shift the frame on thinking about health in terms of decades instead of the kind of the short term. When we think about financially, we think about kind of saving for retirement, right? We, we Everyone seems to have that model ingrained in their head. I'm going to retire someday. I got to make some deposits in my bank. Otherwise, when I retire, I'm going to be in deep doo-doo. We don't think about health that way for some reason or other. You got to start making deposits in your health bank today so that when you are sick, and I... And my mom's 80. Um, unfortunately, you know, she doesn't smoke. She doesn't drink. She never has. We don't know why she got the cancer. It's not in family. But at 80 years old, I took her to Mexico recently, and we walked for hours around the, the Tulum ruins. And it's been a lifelong dream of hers. And guess what? She was able to do it for hours at 80 years old. So that's what you're really investing in, is the ability to maintain your quality of life. And we really have to start to start to think about I think one of the reasons we're we're thinking about this now is the impending financial crisis that we face. On average, the U, a U.S. person is going to spend about three hundred forty thousand dollars over the course of their life on healthcare. Healthcare costs have been outpacing inflation for quite some time. We're already spending four to six trillion dollars on preventable lifestyle illnesses. This is an economic catastrophe that that is facing us. We don't give it the same level of urgency as other economic catastrophes that that we face. And so there's a personal well-being side of things, which is if you want to live your life and you want to be able to walk around the Tulum ruins at 80 or whatever it is that you love doing, that's one thing. If you want to make sure that you're managing yourself economically, that's another motivation for this because we are we're in deep trouble if we don't get our arms around some of these costs. And there are little habits, little things you can change that can have a really profound impact in the long run. Isaiah, I'm tempted to leave it right there because that was beautiful and I totally agree with everything you say, but <laughs> I, I want to dig a little bit underneath the hood. Like, how did you get started into this? What's your background? I know you shared some personal stories as a motivation and I'm somebody who looked at how healthcare, you know, as a whole treated my loved ones and said, this is enough. I have to do something about it. What were your previous stops, previous, I guess, professions before you decided to come out and say, you know what, I'm going to go out here and try to help people. Yeah, well, you know, I've spent my career kind of in the strategy and innovation space, kind of think about, you know, what is the world today? Where is it going? And, and how do we you know, create you know, sort of disruptive change to get there? You, you know, Chris, I I think I'm just scared of being sick, to be honest with you. I've had illness and family. You know, my mom got my mom got cancer, like I said, 20 years ago. My dad had a stroke and my aunt and uncle had by these bypass surgeries. And I started to say to myself, oh, my God, I don't want to go through that ever. And then also kind of the cost side of things, you know, I used to, you know, I grew up in Canada. So in one year, my mom got the cancer, my dad had the stroke, my aunt and uncle had the bypass surgeries, and we never really had to think about the financial implications. Fast forward to both my brother and I live here in New York City, and he had that fall from Catterskill Falls. And had to airlift him off on a helicopter and, and you know, do all kinds of surgeries and all that kind of stuff. He hadn't even arrived home yet, and our bills arriving. From the ambulance trying to deny coverage and then trying to deny this, that, the other. There's a paper published investigative report by Politico that was just published like 30 days ago. And it was on Cigna. And they showed that you know Cigna is automating rejections and denials. And they had done hundreds of thousands of denials where it was done in two seconds, the denial. Legally, technically, they're supposed to actually have an expert look at your file and spend some time with it. It was being done within seconds. So it's, it's a combination of kind of experiences with health that made me really think there's, there's a lot broken here. And for someone that is passionate about, you know, really contributing to good in society, I felt like this was a really important mission for me to take on. I, it, yes, I, 
shaking my head. You're talking about automated claims and people always say, you know, like, oh, healthcare is broken. I'm like, no, healthcare is not broken. It's working exactly the way it's designed because there's a lot of people making a lot of money right now. Yeah. It's just monopolies are good for the monopolist and really bad for the rest of us. So we say, you know what? It's not exactly broken. There's still nowhere else in the world that I would rather go to get world-class medical treatment. The way we pay for it, the way we fund it is completely asinine. So it's like, yeah, separate, right? Yeah, well, so long as you can afford it, right? If you, if you can afford it, you, you're going to get the best healthcare in the world right here in, in, in the U.S. But there are far too many people like that can't afford it. And do we care about them or do we not? I think that's a question we have to grapple with. Yeah, like uh, like any doctor or, or nurse knows, though, that healthcare is a lot cheaper when you don't use a third-party insurance to pay for it. <laughs> I've, I've had multiple people say that to me, and obviously being in the direct care space, you know, cutting cutting insurance out, it's like, oh, yeah, we, we definitely see it. There's no reason, right? But everybody's got all their hands in the pie, and that's that's the problem. That's what we're sitting here trying to fix. And then, you know, utilizing stuff like men to get people healthy before they get sick or keep them healthy, I mean, it just makes sense. It's one of those things where, like, well, this this is an absolute no-brainer for everybody out there. It would work, right? Yeah, and to your physician partners, you know, we want to support you. We know how busy you are. We know how the business model pressure, uh, compressing insurance margins, staffing challenges, all the things that you're facing. So we very deliberately designed our program so that it's adjunctive and supportive to your business model um, so you can actually take care of more patients in the way that they should be taken care of and, and it'd be actually financially rewarding for you. For patients, it, this is really a catalyst for kind of behavior change and really you know, improving overall health in the long run. And we know payers are satisfied because we, we have demonstrable outcomes. So we're hearing that we've kind of really hit the sweet spot here in terms of what we're doing. And it's now really time to just scale and, and get it out to as many people as possible. Isaiah Syed, CEO, co-founder of MEND, thank you for joining us here on the show. Thank you for having me, Chris, and, and continue doing what you're doing. This is this is too important a conversation for for you know one or two people. Really, we all need to participate in this. And thank you for your leadership on on the topic. Amen, my friend. That's going to do it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out online at healthcareamericana.com to catch previous episodes. Subscribe to our mailing list and visit our online store. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all of our episodes. Visit the shop and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced and managed by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro. Healthcare Americana is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks and Freedom Doc. If you've been struggling to get the care you need and the access you want, it's time to join your local Freedom Doc. Visit freedomdoc.care to find the practice location nearest you. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. 
Hope you enjoy it.